everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show The Haunting of Hill House. Today we'll be covering the fifth episode from Netflix TV series The Haunting of Hill House titled The Bent Neck Late Girl. Do you have your tissues? I have my I tissues. <laughs> I hope everyone listening has their tissues <laughs> handy. <laughs> this one messed me up. Yeah, this one was a little bit of a tearjerker for sure. I feel like that's the thing that the show does really well, I think, is each episode, if you took out the supernatural scary stuff, mm-hmm. it would be just a legit like drama, like family drama. I mean, I don't know how many people – my family's not quite that messed up, but mm-hmm. you could definitely see yourself falling into some kind of – like this is ghosts and things that kind of cause us, but you know, a death in the family or financial troubles or something like that could definitely spark a family to fall into this kind of pitfall. And this episode, I mean – if you felt bad for Luke last uh-huh. episode, like you have to feel bad for for our girl in this one. Yeah, definitely. Um, I agree. The show does so great. I mean, we, we've talked before about how awesome it was to, you know, have all these emotions and and something makes you so emotional and heartfelt and heartbroken and make you really feel for characters, but then can also manage to scare the shit out of you at the same time. Yeah. So very unique and very awesome. And I'm. I've uh, tried to get a little zen here and pull my shit together because I just watched it earlier again. And um, I think I'm ready to to uh, take a look at this one. And I think we'll start off with our top five and I'll start with mine. All right, let's dive right in. Uh, okay, so I'm going to just start off. Uh, there's so much to dissect in, in this particular episode and, and everything that happened, but I'm going to start with the siblings, uh, how they treated Nell. And so we didn't know a whole lot about Nell when we, you know, I mean, we're five episodes in and it's taken us this long to kind of really get to know her. We see her, you know, in, in different scenes and things, but we don't really know a whole lot about her. We know she is married uh, from when we were in Theo's episode and... Uh, now we find out that she was married, but then her husband died in front of her after only like eight months yeah. <laughs> of being married. And I mean, they have their, they're so young and they have their whole life ahead of them. And her family treats her like a fucking fruitcake. And it, it just, it made me so angry watching this. I was like, what is wrong with you people? She, give her a break already. You know, Theo was saying in, um, I think it was Shirley's episode, uh, she said that Nell had one foot in crazy and the other on a banana peel. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, so, I mean, she makes that comment and you're like, well, what's up with that? Why is she making that type of comment? And... And then whenever Theo went and visited her in L.A., she gets mad because she didn't want to go to a museum or whatever. And like asking her the la- when is the last time that she cleaned? Um, it was it just seems so I don't know. Just why aren't you able to see like the real pain that Nell is experiencing? And I get that, you know, Nell didn't act very well either. I, I won't put it all on Theo because she did definitely go after her siblings. She she kind of went after Theo pretty hard and she they went after each other like only siblings can yeah. when she really dug for that, you know, um, judgmental, th- you know, um, thing that she knew would really get to Theo to really push her away. 
I think it has to be like a big family thing. Cause like I, I only have one sibling and my sister and I get along fairly well. Like now, like I, there's, mm-hmm. there hasn't been a fight between her and I since like high school, but my mom is in a big family and there's always drama. There's always something going on. <laughs> and I want, it's very similar to this. Like I feel like when you're in a big family, you don't really grow out of that kid phase as well. Cause yeah. I don't know if because you're so close to age or because you kind of grow up close to each other a lot more. Um, Cause like my sister and I, we kind of like split in high school. And then it's like when we got to college at the same time, it's like, Oh, well we're kind of adults now. So I guess, guess we're okay. Like, you know, I don't hate you like I did, you know, a year ago. Hey, you're not too bad. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if it's a big family thing, but in those in that scene, you you definitely got a feeling of like talking to like somebody you think is young and dumb. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if maybe that's maybe it's a sibling thing if you're, you're further in age too. Because when she stopped at Stephen's book thing, he was doing like that was a pretty you know, drastic thing to do. Cause like he was right. Like he's like, Hey, this is my work. This is my job. It's like coming to my office and doing this. Yeah. And, but even then like his interaction with her, like if your sister has some kind of mental issues, which it seems like she does. And especially if like, like you said, like how long has her husband even gone? Six months, a year, like not very long. Mm-hmm. Like I hope if, if I was ever in that situation, like my family would give me a lot of support because that's the kind of boat I would be in. Especially if I had a man like Arthur, because he was a he seemed like a very awesome man. Like you know, no kidding. The, the other thing that's interesting, I'll point this out. I didn't realize when you come out of sleep paralysis, you get super horny. <laughs> that was a note I put down. Oh my gosh! Well, please explain. <laughs> well, no, it was like when they're in their L.A. thing. Oh, she had okay. her. She had a situation where she was like, "Things like, oh my gosh, it's been a while since this." And he walked her through it. And when she came to, she just threw her lips on him and started making out. And I'm assuming that they they got busy, right? That's possible. Uh, well, I don't know. And yeah, you brought up the how she confronted you know Stephen at his uh, book reading and totally inappropriate. I mean, he was he was spot on. I mean, I, I feel like that there's. There's unfairness going on both sides. I really feel that her siblings are being total assholes to her and not like believing her. It's what she keeps telling her therapist. It's kind of like what Luke was kind of saying too. It's like my family won't believe me and why he doesn't share his sobriety. Like the only one that ever had faith in him was Nell, but everyone never believes him. And the same with, you know, Nell, they just kind of write her off and they dismiss her. And that's just what they keep doing all throughout is they just keep being dismissive of her. And we don't see her too much pre-marriage. We just see, you know, uh, where she meets. I mean, we see her when she's little, but as far as an adult, we don't see her too far um, up until she meets Arthur. So we only really see her from the time that she meets Arthur, they get married, and then after she's lost him, which I'm sorry. I feel like if you feel like you've met the love of your life and, you know, you're young and you're happy and you have your whole lives ahead of you, and then he is just tragically taken away from you, like so suddenly like that. Um, you're allowed to be a little shitballs crazy. I'm sorry. Oh, I, think, yeah. I think you get a little bit of a pass. I think that's when you know your family should not be so dismissive of you. That's when they're supposed to surround you with support and love, and not just be like, "God, Nell, are you off your freaking meds?" You know, yeah. I mean, it's just freaking cruel, and it made me crazy. And I get, I, I get where she was lashing out at them. I mean, she wasn't acting, you know, completely innocent either. It wasn't nice of her to manipulate Theo into coming out to LA 
and then asking her to, you know, well, you said that you would, you know, and wanting her to touch the pillow mm-hmm. and then grabbing her hand and making her touch the floor. That wasn't right. You know, that's not, you know, fair treatment to Theo either. But Theo, more than anyone who seems the most empathic of all the siblings, because she can really truly feel what others are feeling when she touches them. Plus, she's a freaking certified licensed psychologist. Yeah, that's true. I mean, she out of everyone should have like maybe that moment took taken a step back from Nell and tried to understand where she was coming from and then still like surrounded her with love and support. And instead she left her and it just it made me so angry. Yeah, that was an odd scenario because I mean, she sits like she's waiting for Nell to say something like almost like an apology. Yeah. I mean, and it's very much like those stupid fights that, you know, that I think close family members have. It's like. Oh well, you didn't say sorry, so I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. And it's a situation that, like, if you if you're looking at it from an outside perspective, like, you guys are being very immature at this point. Yeah, and especially like if you know what you've gone through, like your whole family, and and it, we're getting little bits and pieces of it, but you know, Theo and them experience like the supernatural thing with their mom it seems like like i feel like they understand something not right happened mm-hmm. and if your sister's like oh my god the bent neck lady killed my husband like wouldn't that send off all kind of warning bells like this has happened to us before yeah but they kind of just sweep it under the rug and it's like it's it's a tragic thing get on your meds and get on with your life yeah, like that was just some like fantasy nightmares that we had as kids. And Shirley and Steven anyway just completely dismiss all of that. Like yeah. Steven never saw anything, never experienced anything. Uh, Shirley completely just like anything that she experienced, she just kind of wrote off and, and tried to like excuse it in some other way or find some other explanation. Um, and then just, you know, totally discounted, I think, um, you know, anything that, that Theo or uh, the twins happened to experience. And so I don't know. And I, and then friggin' Luke. Luke, so I felt so terrible for him. We were talking about him last week, and I still feel that way. But now seeing him in this episode, I was so damn mad at him yeah. when he is asking Nell to take him to rehab one more time. And on the way, he wants her to stop and get him some heroin. Yeah, he, he needs to more. get well before he gets well. I mean— I was so mad. I mean, I get that this seems to be like, not that I know from experience, we've talked about this before, so I won't say uh, or pretend that I I know, but just from what I've read, it seems like it it is kind of typical junkie behavior, that it's not super uncommon. But for him to leverage his and Nell's relationship to get her to do it, and Nell is so freaking desperate for a connection that she agrees. Um, And it was just like, it just, Made me so angry at Luke, the other siblings. Made my heart break even more for Nell, who's trying to reach out. And she's like, you know, I have things that I want to yeah. talk about. I have problems, too. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll do that when I get better, when I get back. You know, I promise we'll take care of that while he's, you know, in the midst of his high after just— I mean, she is sitting there, and her brother is shooting freaking heroin in yeah. the front seat of her car. And it's just like, oh, my God. Well, I mean, you put it—and that's actually my number five is she was used by family. Mm-hmm. But then she also used family to an extent with with uh, Theo. Yeah, you know, it's you, you kind of look at their two things. It's very similar. You know, she's like trying to talk her talk Theo into doing something for her. It's like just this one last time kind of thing. She just has to be sure. And Luke doing kind of the same thing to her. 
But but yeah, to sit there and be like, okay, I, you know, I got my brother. He's getting help. I'm so proud of you. And then where you end up is in front of some shady ass place. And not only is he like, oh hey, I just need I just need one more. He's like, oh by the way, I can't go up there and get it because he won't give it to me because I owe him money. So can you do that? It's twenty bucks. And she does it, comes back in and hands it to him. She's like, he spit it out of his mouth. <laughs> and nonchalantly like, oh, yeah, they do that. I know. She's just like completely exposed to this other world. I mean, she's probably had little touches of it seeing her brother, you know, um, struggling with his addiction uh, for like, it sounded like 10 years, I believe, from the other episode. Yeah. Um, but I mean, apparently this is her first time that going that far as far as purchasing um, heroin for her brother. And the only thing that I had, a, a, another thing to say that it's a little bit lighter that just, I kind of thought about it for a minute. They're sitting there in her like suburban wagon, right? Her and Luke having this conversation and that dude, that drug dealer is across the street. They're sitting there for quite a while. He's had to have spotted them by now, or at least spotted that car. And she comes out of that car in this, um, you know, station wagon type car, very, you know, straight laced and practical. Here comes Nell, all cleaned up and perfect and pretty looking. And he's, does that not raise a, a few alarm bells for that drug dealer? Like, wouldn't he ask for like a reference? Or <laughs> he's like, you're not like, a cop, are you? If you, yeah. if you say you're not, that's entrapment. Yeah. Or like proof of track marks or something before he gives her drugs because she looks like a freaking narc. Yeah. Um, so well, the thing I, I, I forgot too, I mean, I've heard people do this, but I, I forgot that a lot of um, junkies actually shoot like in their feet and stuff because the veins in their arms and stuff are just trashed. Mm-hmm. And so when he did that, I was like, oh yeah, and that's so weird. Like I'm not, I'm not <sighs> super f- afraid of needles, but I definitely don't like them in that sense. Like I, I, they're not something like I seek out. My mom used to have give herself insulin shots all the time. So yeah. like I'm used to seeing somebody do that, but it's still kind of like, I just not, Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm the same, but, but that ties into my number five. Like I said, it's kind of being used by family and using family and to be sitting there in that moment. And even then, so she's, she's got her brother here. She's telling her, telling him all these things and she needs to talk to somebody. And during this drug usage moment, she's looking out of her car and rainy window with the windshield wipers. And what does she see? She sees mm-hmm. the bent neck lady. Ugh, yeah. And you know, it was, it was, oh God, it was really beautiful in extent when she met Arthur yes. and she's talking to, cause she, you said we didn't see what happened to her before then, but it's pretty clear. I think in some of her discussions that she was seeing the bent neck lady at a regular basis. I don't know mm-hmm. if it was all the time or just, you know, but pretty regularly she meets Arthur and it stops. And once the, the 90 passes away is the first time that she sees her again. And for like you said, for her not to have somebody to talk to about that, especially in the moment when she's seeing it, she's like, "Well, I can't tell my junkie brother right now because he's high. He won't. Yeah. He won't understand it." And it's and uh, again, it's it's one of those things where you know uh, the parallel isn't as bad, but she started kind of using Theo to to figure out the stuff in her house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you wonder if Theo used her to get out there somehow, and Stevens used them for his book. Um, but it's definitely a lot of family using family. Some probably more. Uh, not great than others, but it still feels like they're kind of feeding off of each other instead of helping each other. They are, and and I think that's probably something. I mean, it's not healthy, but um, you know, this is slightly dysfunctional in, in how they're doing it. And clearly, they all have their issues due to the things that they've experienced as children and and things as adults as well. But um, 
you know, again, talking about how well the show really portrays like real life that I feel like that fight between yeah. Theo and Nell in her bedroom, uh, that seemed really real. I mean, they were very ugly with each other, you know, Nell lashing out at her and being very manipulative and judgmental and, and you know, going after Theo the way that she did. Um, Theo not like trying to really understand where Nell was coming from and what she's going through when she probably should have out of all the siblings at least had a little bit more insight and i mean friggin luke he's too high on friggin drugs to i think feel because we know like we've talked about the twin thing in the last episode and you you hear about it again in this episode but maybe if luke was sober he would be able to feel he could feel maybe what you know nell was feeling and he would be the one to maybe help her reach out but he's so fucking numb from being high all the time that he can't so you would at least think that that Theo would, because she's the most empathic. She can actually feel when she touches. So, um, but I, I, I did like how it seemed to be a pretty accurate portrayal of two sisters. Um, I, I didn't have sisters growing up. I was a only sibling until I was in my teenage years. So that was strange, but, um, and I had a brother, not a sister, but from what I've heard and seen and witnessed is um, sisters can really go after each other yes, and, yes, they and, can. And, and like this. So they can, it, it seemed like a pretty accurate portrayal of how sisters can be, how you can have this terrible, like you can love each other one minute, you can hate each other the next, and then you kind of come back later after like a little, little apology and, you know, okay, we're good now, you know? Um, so I, I do think that that was pretty accurate. And I think that a lot of the, the interaction between the siblings is pretty accurate as well. So kind of rambled. I know that was my number five and you went on your number five too. Did you have anything else you wanted to say on nope, number five? That pretty much tidied up my number five as well. So I'm ready to move on to our number four. Number four. Uh, well, I'm just going to talk a little bit. My, my number four is called Doomed Couple. And, <laughs> and of course I'm going to talk about Nell and, and Arthur. Um, and I, I just, I just want to say, first off, if, if you can get someone that looks at you like these two looked at each other, then you should be grateful every damn day. Um, I loved so much seeing this lovely story of Nell meeting Arthur and following, you know, their, following their love story, uh, I mean, really touched me deeper, I think, than almost any other movie, TV show, or any book that I've read. I mean, I, I've really felt that. And that's, I've said that many times in different scenes in this series. And that's why I just think this damn series is so freaking brilliant as to how it really makes you feel. And I really felt that love story. Um, and I think that these two actors should be applauded. I mean, in this one episode that they were able to portray this love story in this short amount of time. I mean, they literally, I mean, we saw a short glimpse of their, their wedding reception and that was truly lovely. Um, but this, you know, we got the entire love story and in less than an hour, you know, we got their story from beginning to end. And I think that they did such a fabulous job and, it, it was so adorable. They're, they're meet cute in, in this um, episode where Arthur is listening to her and he doesn't dismiss her mm -hmm. like the other siblings do. Like he is talking to her about her issue and he's acknowledging it. Like, yeah, that's a thing. Sleep paralysis, this is his thing. And this is, he's explaining it to her and talking to her about, you know, and he explains it a lot like um, Hugh did, you know, to, to know when she was yeah. little about how, you know, it's like you're, you're caught somewhere between dreaming and waking and the nightmare kind of seeps. Your dreams spill over. Yeah, your dreams spill over. Thank you. Um, so I love that, that he's acknowledging that. And it, it, it then goes from this, you know, 
their meeting goes into this whole montage of their romance uh, that goes up into their engagement. And I like how we get like this, it's like this was so needed, right? Because it's been so terrible. I mean, the whole, it's been just negative and, and emotional and it's been hard to watch. And then we get this nice levity for this, even this brief period of time. And I think it was good to see that Nell did find happiness, you know, for such a short time. Um, also, the fact that Nell is paralyzed by her sleep disorder, um, what also ended up being tragic later is that that last time when when he does die, he gets up in the middle of the night and he says he's going to get the light, and she's paralyzed. He falls over, and I think that that is probably one of the scariest things that came out of this episode for me um, was the fact that Nell realizes like happiness is not guaranteed and like mm. death can take you at any time. And for her to have witnessed that and I think had that realization in that moment was like super scary for me. So that that's my number four, just talking about specifically the story of Nell and Arthur. I like it. That my my number four is a little bit like that, but I just kinda called it like the roller coaster of emotions in this episode. Mm-hmm. So we start out uh, you know, kind of at a low, you know, she's depressed, she's seeking help. Um, and you see they kind of have this banter, her and Arthur, when she's in his office. And uh, I love the little bit where uh, he's talking about, you know, do you drink coffee? And she jumps to the <laughs> conclusion of like, are, you know, are you asking me out on a date? I um, know. I'd which, be so I mean, embarrassed. She was so sweet. Yeah, her, but it ended good for her because like, well, I was going to wait till after. Like in my experience, whenever I've like assumed like, so side story to, to make everybody <laughs> feel sad for me. My freshman year in high school, we had Sadie Hawkins dances, right? Mm-hmm. And so somebody told me, he's like, oh, this girl, she's going to come and she's got a question to ask you. And it was a girl I had a huge crush on. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, like my dreams are coming true. And it was after school and she walks up to me and I was already ready to be like, yes. Like when she says, hey, will you go to Sadie Hawkins dance with me? I was going to be like, yes. You practiced and it, didn't you? I you did. Like in my head, <laughs> like I had it going, I had it scripted. And so she meets me in the hallway, just me and her. And she's like, hey, I was just wanting to ask you. And like, I'm kind of like not listening now. Like I like, I'm ready to say, and she's like, if you would go to the Sadie Hawkins dance with, and she said her friend's name. <gasps> and oh. I was like, yeah. Oh, uh, wait a second. Like with, uh, and I was like, oh, uh, yeah, sure. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I could do that. But oh, it, it broke my little heart. Uh, but that's, that's, I mean, it's kind of like what happened here, except it ended good for her. But you get to see her, they, they get together, they have a great relationship. We find out that she doesn't see the bent neck lady at, while they're together. Mm-hmm. Um, she, we see, I think, two or three episodes when they're married where she has her sleep paralysis. And I was a little concerned that we would see him kind of turn where he would start getting frustrated with her sleep paralysis. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, that's got to be a pretty stressful thing to, to have to deal with. I mean, I don't like to get woke up in the middle of the night, but, you know, if all of a sudden my wife wakes up and she's freaking out, like she's having like a, an attack, like it's going to scare me and startle me. Mm-hmm. And if you have it so many times, like it, it, could be easy to get kind of frustrated and annoyed with it, even though there's nothing nobody can do about it. Uh, but, and that's what I was worried about. It was going to make it worse, but he stuck by her. He walked her like through it every single time and just yep. a, a really strong bond of love. And so you see that and you just kind of keep trickling up, trickling up, but then you just take that s- steep fall when you find <laughs> the bent neck lady shows up and he just falls to the ground. And I agree. Like one of the biggest fears I have in my life is besides sharks 
is <laughs> being in a situation where you're um, incapable of helping somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, I always have these fears of like, if I'm away or my phone's in a spot where I can't see it, like enjoying something, not realizing that something bad is happening. You know, you think of like a family member going through like a, a you know, a crash or something like that, or somebody's suffering and you can't be there to help. Like that's always a big fear of mine. And that's, that's what you have here. Like she's sitting there on the bed. She can't move. She just saw her husband fall. She doesn't know if she can help him. And by the time, you know, she doesn't even, she can't even actually walk to him. She's like army yeah. crawling to get to his body. Yeah. And you know, that fear is just the, you know, envel- enveloped her so much. And we, you know, we just keep seeing that trickling down and down and down. And, um, you know, I don't know if it's because she stopped taking her meds, if that didn't help. Uh, and that might lead into a couple of the other ones. But yeah, it's just kind of this roller coaster of emotions. It took you on a full ride through this episode. And, you know, it was it was like watching a very, very slow car crash at a point. And mm-hmm. it was it was pretty emotional, I, I would say. It was very emotional. I, you know, I, I definitely felt like I was on that wave with them from the time that they met. I think I fell in love with Arthur in that first five minutes that I met him when they're having that, you know, um, uh, meeting in his office where, you know, he's asking her all those questions and then then yeah, the whole coffee thing. And that was super adorable. And I'm like, okay, now I want to marry Arthur. Um, <laughs> what, what an adorable character. So understanding of, of her and he did so well. I mean, I was really surprised at how well that, you know, when, he, when she'd wake up, I, I, I'm like you, that would scare the hell out of me. If I managed to wake up, I could be a pretty deep sleeper. So yeah. I don't know if I'd actually wake up, but if I did, I don't know that I would be jumping into that mode of, okay, now I need to help her work this out. You know, you need to talk him through it and bring him down because it's like he said, it's like, I keep, you know, you can't prevent them. I mean, it, it could happen. Yeah. They might lessen over time or something, but you know, there's not a lot you can do. The only thing that you can do is know what to do when it does happen. And he, you know, always gave her those tools and helped kind of talk her through it. So, um, it, it it was you know you felt like you were on this in this love story with them seeing that whole montage of their love story of when they you know were dating and falling in love getting engaged at New Year's with their family and friends surrounding them you know you saw the um, Theo and Steve and, and all of them in the background whenever um, yeah he had proposed and stuff and then of course at their wedding so it was definitely uh, a, a you know, and and then it came crashing down there at the end. Whenever he dies, all of a sudden, and the poor guy is probably dead before he even hit the floor. Um, yeah, just so damn tragic. Was that part of your number four too? Was that all of? Yeah, my number four was just kind of the roller coaster ride. Oh God, this whole damn show is a freaking roller yes, coaster. Yes, it is. Yeah, I just, I honestly don't know how much more I can take. I mean, this, this, we're only halfway in. This is episode five. I mean, yeah. Well, that's what I I love about this is like your first five episodes are each of the kids. So, like, if this is kind of like the prelude to like, okay, now you've got the backstory, right? Or some of the backstory. Let's jump into all the characters kind of together now because that's what I think is going to end up happening in episode six. Characters all kind of get together for the funeral, I'm guessing. Right. Um, And, you know, now they're all in the same place. They're within the same city of or town. They're probably all near Hill House. So. Like I'm curious if the more if the wheels are going to start spinning a lot quicker. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what the second half of I'm going to call it a second half because I'm like you, I'm kind of assuming uh not knowing really what's going to happen, but you know the if it's 10 episodes, we got the first five with the siblings, 
And we've heard all their stories. Where does that second five, you know, where does that take us as far as the story? Um, I'm going to call it like a second half because it feels kind of like a second half. Yeah, I'm curious. Um, Depending on how it plays out, this would be like the first Netflix show where it really feels like it's split into two very distinct pieces. Like most mm -hmm. network shows, it's like, okay, here's season 1A and here's season 1B. Right. Yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit of a different different feel. So I'm I'm curious to see how they're going to focus um, the next five and and what we're going to get. But I just I don't know this. I uh, I got to watch something happy after this series. That's for <laughs> sure. I got to watch some serious comedy or something because um, I I might slip into a deep freaking depression here. Well, like um, we said, up next is probably going to be Black Mirror. So we're going to have tons <laughs> of comedy and such a, you know, oh, good fun time stuff. If you want something to really lighten the mood, just go watch some Black Mirror. That'll do it. Although there are a couple episodes of Black Mirror that will do that for you. Some surprising ones, but not the majority. All right. So uh, my number three, I want to talk a little bit about Hugh in this episode. We still are not sure what the hell happened that night, uh, that last night as Hugh is dragging all of the kids out. But we get to see a little bit more. We keep getting little pieces. And I found this piece very interesting and very um, just made me more inquisitive as to what the hell is going on. Uh, Hugh's taking all the kids. He shows up after they uh, escape from the house. Well, I say escape. I don't, I guess it's an escape. I don't know what the hell happened or what they'd be escaping from. But he takes them all to that motel room. And this ends up also being that same motel. Looks like the same damn room. It does, that yeah. Adult Nell ends up in later on. Uh, but he takes them to this motel. Uh, he's gathered the kids, says he's got to go back and get mommy. And it's like, what? Uh, I'm thinking, you know, I'm not, I'm thinking like, what, what do you mean? You're going to, you're going to go get mommy. Um, Cause it's like, what, what is his, I don't know what his intention is when he tells the kids that he's going back for mommy. Like, what the hell mm -hmm. does that mean? And the kids are all sitting on the bed. They're like, what the hell just happened? They all just got woke up in the middle of the night. Their dad grabs him, runs out. They're shaking. They're trying to, you know, they haven't been able to talk because they were also, it, it looks like shell shocked when they're in the car. And so they're all silent. And it's not until they get to the hotel that they start talking, like, what the hell happened? And they're asking Steven, what did you see? And he's like, I don't know. I was asleep the whole time. Um, Theo, I feel like young Theo always knows more than what she says. You know, she, or what, she, and you know, she, she's keeping it all in. And I don't know if it's out of fear or if she's really confused because she goes, I don't know what I saw. So, she saw something, mm -hmm. but she's like, I don't know what I saw. And I feel like she holds things in as well when she touches things um, and she doesn't tell people what she, what she saw. So I, I feel like she, she saw something and we don't know what. Um, Shirley doesn't know anything, but Luke says, um, well, we were having tea. We yeah. were having a, a tea party. Um, and... Having tea party in the red room. You can't have party. a tea party in the red room. Tea party so, in the red room. And then Nell says, that wasn't mommy. Yeah, that was super creepy. So th this is my number three is the night because mm -hmm. we see them driving into, like you said, the same hotel, same everything. So the red room, it's a very like quick scene in episode one. Yeah. You know, they try to get in, they can't, we see some feet. Like we made it part of our like messages from the red room because I thought this whole series was going to focus on this red room, and we haven't heard about it again for five episodes. People probably that like listen to it's like what the fuck's the red room messages? That makes no <laughs> sense. But we get it back here now, and mm -hmm. it was locked, and they go there, and it was 
uh, Luke, Nell, Mom, and Abigail. Abigail. Mm-hmm. And as we fast forward to the end of this episode, when Nell is back at Hill House, we see their mom, young Luke, a girl that looks like Abigail, and then older Nell walking up to the Red Room. Mm -hmm. And the Abigail girl does not look excited to be going to the Red Room. No. She's dead. So (laughs) That's true. But she, I mean, even like being dead, she has like a a sense of her like, like, you know, I'm being forced to an extent to go to this room. Like, I don't right. want to go to this room. Right. Like, even as a ghost, she's scared or doesn't knows that going in this red room is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, so like we see that Nell is the only one that stays up the whole time because her dad says she'll be back at two o'clock. Yep. And that was a pretty cute little thing. Well, not cute, but it was kind of more eerie, I think. But she gave him his watch and he tapped it twice. Yeah. And so she's done that. It seems like forever now. She'll tap it twice. She wakes up right at two o'clock as older Nell. Uh, and oh, it was so eerie when she sits on the edge of her bed mm-hmm. because it's very, this is really, really well done, I think, because you kind of slowly start seeing the shadows coming in closer. And in my mind, when I saw that, I'm like, oh my God, like if they make her sit there for four or six hours, like that is brilliant. But, you know, I'm always like, I'm overthinking this. It's just like a car. It's just lights or something. Mm-hmm. But they did that. She sat in the exact same spot for like four to six hours. And then she snaps too. And she's like, shit, um, I should have not slept all day, but it's just a house. It's just an empty vessel. I can go at night, which to me was a horrible decision, but yes, horrible so, things oh. happen there at night. <laughs> But what I was getting back to that is we go when we come back with uh, Hugh coming back that night. Or actually, it's more during the afternoon. He's covered in red. Mm. Now, I think it was blood. That's what it looked like to me. But he said it was paint. Oh, now, it I was don't know. Blood. If you think it was blood too? I think it was. I think a hundred percent that it was blood. <laughs> I just feel like there's no way it couldn't be because that was that was a deep like red, not a a paint red. Yeah, and and just the texture. I mean, you could see on his hands. I mean, that was that was stained blood. That was yeah. not paint. If you look at the consistency and how it dried, it looked like dried blood. Yeah. Which again, like now we're probably going to see what happened there at some point. And that just that's I was worried we we're going to see more of that in this episode. And mm-hmm. it was going to creep me out, but we got we didn't get much of it. I know. And I think that I mean, the kids don't even know, right? And that's why they have such a problem with Hugh is because he's kept secret for 26 years, whatever it was the hell that happened. You know, mm-hmm. he he has kept quiet entirely about what really happened. He leaves, the, the children says, I'm going to go get mommy. The kids are talking and they're like, she looked hurt. Because I think that was Luke, right? That said yeah. she looked hurt. Um, and then he mentioned the, the tea party in the red room. Uh, with with mommy and Abigail and and Nell and she's like that wasn't mommy oh. and it was super creepy how it yeah, tied that, in at the end how they were y'all so many chills and what's super chills what I'm not excited about is in episode one we got to see what I'm pretty sure was mom running down the hallway like a banshee no. No. and we're gonna see that up close God I still can't deal with that from even that yeah. first episode when when Hugh is grabbing Steven and yeah. running from the room and and something which looked very much like Olivia yeah. uh, chasing them around the corner I, I she kind of runs like that uh that clam though from uh Futurama is well, it Foybird? because she's probably <laughs> just think of that when you see it just pause the sound and go <laughs> 
appreciate you making me laugh in such a situation because it scared the shit out of me. Oh, my God. I don't care because she was dead. That's why she was yeah. walking all fucked up. I think she she was dead and, and something had – because this is my thing. This is what I'm starting to piece together. And I could be totally wrong. And I'm okay with that. But I have to somehow try to make sense out of what's happening. I think that – what I'm discovering out of this episode and, and little bits that we've gotten from other episodes that it's possible, and or at least my question anyway, is is it Olivia who will be infected by whatever's in the house and turn against her children? And and because we, we talk about could have something have happened to those kids and maybe some of these traumatic I, I still feel Hill House is totally freaking haunted. I don't feel yeah. that there's any doubt about that. But I feel like the, some of it could have been amplified by something traumatic that children experienced in the house and it makes me wonder if olivia could have possibly been infected by something that's in the house and 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 being possessed or compelled or something in the house to turn against her children because when she's chastising nell about writing on the wall and um you know she brings her into that room i don't know what that room's called like a library or something and she's getting onto her about uh, this writing on the wall that she wrote her name and she's like, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. Theo comes in. She's like, you know, Hey, what's going on? It wasn't her. And she, the way that she acts, it's like she grabs her head. And then the way that she talks to her kids, um, I don't know. It just, something seemed off and it, it just, I don't it's know. It's got like that Amityville horror type thing where like you, you're seeing this like, wall starting to break down that she's like fighting something off and it's starting to you know make her more angry kind of it's almost like shining too like it's just starting to break through right and what's crazy is like you have to wonder was her ghost the one that actually wrote that i mean you're kind of we kind of see some stuff at the end is like okay well is there some kind of weird like time mm-hmm. thing with these ghosts where time doesn't really exist for them they can go forward or backwards Exactly. Yeah. Th- oh, this is this. Yeah. We're really seeing something happening with time here in this in this episode as well. It's not just all cut and dry. There is something a little twisted happening here. And Hugh, who he comes back, and man, I don't know what the hell Henry Thomas had to draw from in his life to be able to get to this look on his face of being so completely forlorn and lost uh, whenever he's outside of the motel with Nell and his clothes are covered in blood. Um, what the hell did he do? What happened when he went back there? What did he see? Um, all these questions. I don't know what the hell's happening, but that's, and that that's was, my big thing. That was great. Cause that seemed like a very realistic, cause I mean, think about it, like put yourself in that, that situation where, you know, your wife, something like something not right happened. Mm-hmm. And so you rush the kids out. One, you don't know, okay, is she gone like insane? Did he see a ghost? And like, he's like, oh my God, this is not just like my wife, you know, going crazy. It's actually ghost rushing your kids out and then going back in. And if that is him covered in blood, like what happened in that two to three hour period? Exactly. And if you're able to escape that and come back, like you would, you would have this like, I don't know what just happened. Like n- my brain can't process that my wife has just become possessed, tried to kill the whole family. And I saw all these other like crazy things that I can't explain. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's, you, you'd have this like dumbfounded look on your face that you like exactly like he did. So I thought it was a really well done 
scene. Yeah, he was definitely, I think definitely still, I think he, he was kind of in shock, but I think he was able to pull it together enough to, to, to like get the kids out of the house. So it's like, why was he getting the kids out of the house? Was he getting them away from their mother because she, something was happening to her. And so he was protecting the kids. Was he getting them out of the house because he was going to have to somehow take care of her or something too, because something had happened and she wasn't herself or I don't know. Um, but it looked completely tragic, whatever it was that he had to do, I feel had to have been just completely heartbreaking and tragic is that's the only thing at this point. I mean, like I said, I don't know anything going further, but that's all I can, can like, he came back such a broken man. So whatever it was that he did just, I think broke him. You put that parallel with Nell, like when when her husband died. I mean, that's kind of the same thing he did. Like, is yeah. something very tragic happened, and he's you know. I think if Nell didn't end up going back to Hill House like she did, she'd probably be like Hugh. She'd just be kind of this empty shell that went from thing to thing. And when she called him, like you could see the fear in his voice, and the like he knows something's not right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but that that kind of tied in my number three as well. Was just the night, which is the night that they they left Hill House. Oh God! I hope we get some freaking answers. That's all I'm gonna gonna say. Okay, so my number two, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the vision that Nell had of dead Luke, um, because and I think it kind of ties into my number three a, a little bit more. But we're kind of going on a different side of things. I think um, in this episode. I think we and we've talked about it before is how the house seems to be like a living breathing breathing thing like it's alive. Um we got another reference to it in this episode when uh the doctor was like or you know talking to Nell and he's like um well it's just a carcass. It's dead. so mm-hmm. it, it's it's not they're not saying it's alive but we're kind of flipping it saying it's a carcass. So still kind of referencing that it could have been alive. I mean you don't call something a carcass that is just you know, this box of Kleenex I've got on my, you know, desk, I wouldn't call it, you know, a carcass because it was never alive. It's just a thing. So if he think if he really thinks that a house is just a thing, why would he call it a carcass? Like, it, yeah. you know, could have been alive. So we get, I think, more reference to it in this episode um, that the house is very much living and, and clearly at the end too. But when, when Nell sees that vision of Luke um, dead above her bed when she's in that motel room, it it was different, I think, than than some of the other apparitions that the the siblings have seen, either of each other, like when they were, uh, like when they all got visions of Nell after she died, um, because Luke wasn't moving. It was just this image of him plastered on the ceiling, mm. and he wasn't moving. So to me, that made it slightly different than other things that the siblings have seen um, visions. This to me made me wonder if. Something was trying to stall Nell from coming to the house. I think she's being drawn mm. to the house by something. And I so think, you think that you're thinking that seeing her brother should have kept her from going there that night. I think, yeah, that it was trying to, that there was something like if there's something in that house, evil and sinister, like I feel like we saw with her mother in that vision was not her mother. It was something in that house that was drawing from Nell's memories or what Nell knew um, to be familiar and using her mother, their, her mother's image against her and that it was sinister and evil and wanted to trap her there and keep her there. Um, whereas the vision of Luke, 
I feel was presented to her to keep her from, or at least stall her. Like maybe someone would be on their way to try to help her or make, maybe make her snap out of it because she did stop. And she was like phoning all the siblings, like, have you heard Mm. from Luke? Have you heard from Luke? Because why would she want to continue on to what she's going to do without knowing for sure that Luke was okay? Um, And I felt like when Steven told her about the 90 day chip, that's kind of what, I don't know that, that I felt is what, what drove her to go to Hill house. Like, her knowing that what she saw and felt about Luke wasn't factual because mm-hmm. he was safe. He was fine. He was at rehab. He was 90 days clean. What she was seeing wasn't truly there. Like right. she would probably, like, I think in her mind, Luke's dead. And then she hears that she's not. So I think her whole world gets turned upside down. It's like, wait, everything I thought I knew about our twin thing mm-hmm. doesn't exist. I think that's kind of what pushed her to go to Hill House was that comment there from Steven. Possibly, possibly. Yeah, I I wasn't quite sure. I know that she was on this mission to confront her past. She was following what the doctor was telling her. You know, it's like, you know, you were going and confronting your siblings, and that's not quite what I meant. You know, you need to confront your past, and, you know, and, and that's kind of what drove her there, and she thinks that this is what's going to fix her. It's what's going to solve, you know, her issues and, and you know, maybe prevent from her seeing the bent neck lady anymore and being tortured, Um so I don't know. I just thought that that was a little bit of a different. I wasn't quite sure what to make of it. It's just some speculation on my part. I have no idea if it really meant anything or not. It just felt different than than other, um, yeah. you know, apparitions or visions that the siblings have had about each other because she, it, he didn't move. And I just feel like it was something trying to stall her, maybe not well, prevent it, her, but maybe at least stall her. I don't know. And what we know now with. You know, at the end of this, we see that she kind of travels through moments of her life. Mm-hmm. You know, was that Luke from the future trying to prevent her? You know, we we don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, could you imagine that scene happening where something happens to Luke and he starts flashing through all these different scenarios? Ugh. Um, uh, yeah. Jeez, um, I can't deal my, with that again. What's your number two? My number two kind of ties a little bit to what you mentioned about the doctor. And that's, I said it was just bad advice. So, yeah. She, uh, it sounds like she's off her meds, which sounds like they were helping, uh, potentially. And he tells her to confront, or she hears confront my sibling. So she goes and confronts her brother in front of a bunch of people that he knows. And she comes back <clears throat> and she's all like gung ho about it. She's like, yeah, I stuck it to him. I told him what I meant. I'm, I'm not taking shit anymore. Yep. Doctor's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What I meant was you just need to kind of confront your past. I think at that moment she stopped listening. She's like, oh, I need to go back to Hill House, mm-hmm. which I guarantee if she asked her doctor, like, oh, I should go back to Hill House, right? He's going to be like, no. It's like, well, I guess he did say something about going and seeing it from the outside. Like what harm can it do? It's just a house. It's exactly, not yeah. Re- or it's not a thing. It's it's just an object or whatever. It's not yeah. like a living thing. And I felt like that, that, again, kind of pushed her to go there, kind of confront it. But playing a little bit of devil's advocate, so we had talked about what if all this stuff isn't actually supernatural in nature? Mm -hmm. So what if it's – so this ties into my number one a little bit too, but what if that this whole time she's near the Hill House and in the Hill House, it's kind of a reverse of what she currently has? Like she has sleep paralysis, so that's where she wakes up, but she's still kind of in a dream state, but she can't move. Because when your your brain does that so you don't act out your dreams, what if she's kind of got that reversed now? So she's actually dreaming when she 
drives to Hill House, when she goes into Hill House. So all these things she sees, she's just dreaming them, mm-hmm. but her body has reversed her sleep paralysis. So it's actually her, she's dreaming, but her, she's sleepwalking essentially. Right. So she's sleepwalking through this whole thing and she's, you know, leads herself up the steps and, you know, she puts what she thinks is a necklace on her neck, but it's actually the noose and she kills herself. You know, what if, you know, I could see that being a thing maybe, but obviously all the other stuff we know, I kind of <laughs> doubt it. But, you know, we've been led down this path, I think. You know, uh, and maybe it's just us knowing from a TV perspective that there's always like a what a twist moment in some things. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of wonder if that's the case here. Um, I don't think so, but I just kind of like we talked about a little bit. So I think that could potentially be a possibility. I think it's it's good to to like test out other possibilities and kind of see things from all perspectives. I don't want to, you know, just put myself in this box and just see it all one way. I think I like being presented with other possi- possible theories as to what's happening and and what really, you know, occurred and what's really going on with with the house and and what happened here and hopefully we'll get a little bit more of a clearer picture cuz clearly we don't have one now. Um but I, I like that. I think that the I, I'm a little pissed about the doctor. I think that, you know, he kept asking her, you know, or well, he, he asked her once, are you on your meds? And then the second time she kind of looked at him, she's like, yes, I'm on my meds, you know. Yeah. Getting, and I'm like, dude, clearly she's not on her meds. You I feel like the siblings are going to come after this dude for freaking malpractice or something that, yeah. you know, I'm like, dude, you you are terrible. Now, given he doesn't know the true history of Hill House, he, you know, she's telling him about, you know, that the things that she sees, she's told him about her sleep paralysis, about her feelings and her family and um, you know, and I like that she's being honest. She's not looking for the doctor's approval when she tells him these things. She's just like she needs to be honest, which of course, if you're going to go to therapy, you know, why go if you're not going to be honest, right? So she's not looking for his approval or, um, you know, anything like that, but she just, she, she tells him exactly how she feels. And I, I do like that. I, I respected her for that, but I'm like, dude, clearly she is off. I mean, anybody that's sitting there watching her can tell she's slightly unbalanced here, you know, um, with all these emotions and things that she's going through. And I feel like that was a failure on the doctor's part for sure. So that was, that was a good number two there. Yep. So what do you have for your number one? (laughs) Probably the same as your (laughs) number one. I feel like, and and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but if it's right, we can just talk about it if you want um, and just have a discussion. I don't need to monologue here or anything, but um, my number one is Nell or the bent neck lady. Yep. I, (laughs) so when this episode started, um, I had so I can't remember what episode it was where we kind of started seeing the bit neck lady. And to me, when I first saw the bit neck lady, it instantly I'm like, okay, I think that's somebody that's hung themselves in that house. Mm-hmm. Either they committed suicide or they were basically like hung for like maybe just basically they were just hung. I don't know what reason. Right. And as it went through that, like we find out that Nell died in the house. And so I'm like, okay, maybe it's a, a parable to, to whoever the bit neck lady is. But at the beginning of this episode, for some reason, when it first kicked in, some little thing triggered in my mind. I'm like, is Nell the bit neck lady? Really? Like, surely, Did yeah, you get like, that? I didn't get I, it at all. <laughs> the thing that I'm like, surely they're not going to introduce like time travel in here because that's essentially what it would have to be. Mm-hmm. And as it's going through there and she drops and you see her go to the first one where she's, you know basically falls in front of herself. 
and then falls a little bit further and you start seeing her go through all these scenarios where she's seeing herself, it's like, oh shit, like that's okay. I see where this is going. Yeah. And I'm going to have to just back up a little bit on you there, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm shocked that you even, cause I, I did not get it at all. I mean, we, we, we saw, I think it was episode, I want to say episode one. I might be slightly off because I feel like so much has happened. Um, in, in just these five episodes, but I feel like it was episode one when we first met Betneck Lady yeah. and Nell. Uh, we saw her in bed, see her, and then we had uh, we saw Nell sleeping on the couch and Betneck Lady hovering above her. And I think that was about all the exposure that we had at that time, enough to at least for me to scare the shit out of me. Um, so we, we we get to see the repeat of that again i guess like as a, a in case you forgot yeah. let's bring you back up to speed about the whole story of bentneck lady and where we began and i thought it was creepy as fuck when you know we see young nell on the couch uh bentneck lady hovering above her and you hear no 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 but it's it's in like this kind of distorted it's not it yeah. wasn't super clear to me but you could hear what saying no 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 but it sounded like it was coming from far away kind uh-huh. of ugh so ugh. and then seeing it later was what freaked my freaked freaked me out terribly but to back up a little bit because i feel like i need to talk about that whole last um 15 20 minutes i feel i i don't want to talk too far and go too far in depth and drag it out too long, but I feel like there was so much and so much emotion in these last 15, 20 minutes of the show that I feel like I have to talk about it. Um, It was when she calls her dad from the car and it felt like a goodbye. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like she wasn't just, you know, calling her dad to, you know, it's like she was telling him goodbye. She wakes him up in the middle of the night. She says she's at home. And as you're looking at Nell's face and she's on the phone and there's this glow that comes about. And then it, the shot goes to the house and you see how the house just lights mm. up. Like, ugh, and I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. That, to me, also gives me proof the house is freaking alive. I'm yeah. sorry. It's alive. Well, you get the, the porch light flash a couple times, too. Yeah, you got the porch light flash. Um, come come home now. It's yep. time to come time home. Time to come home. And so we, we get that, and that was enough to, to pique her curiosity. It In the broken down state that she was in and everything that she has seen and been through thus far, and she gets to this point, and she's back confronting the house, and she get, comes into the house, and this it's this whole illusion. Because nobody's been in the house for 26 years. You can see that from the outside, even in the dark, the, the windows are all boarded up. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know it's got to be, like the doctor says, I don't know about the graffiti, but it's got to be dirty and stuff. It's just yeah. nobody's been taking care of it. So it's it's clearly becoming um, you know, uh, uh, worse for wear. But when you see her, she's seeing the illusion of what it looked like when they were young. And she gets what she wants all along, she has this wonderful, happy family. Her siblings are happy. They're playing tag. Um, her mom is alive. And the house just keeps luring her in with all of these things that she wants and giving her that illusion of, of what she wants. Um, and seeing seeing all of that, uh, and on you know, she gets to see her mother. Her mom is writing home, welcome home, Nell, on the wall. So yeah. now we see it wasn't Nell. 
um, writing on the wall and her mom's writing backwards. That's not weird at all, right? <laughs> yeah. <That's- laughs> yeah, you start from, from right to left on that. Yeah, I, I, was, I, I remember seeing that and I was like, why is she writing backwards? That's freaking weird. So who? that's not her mother. That is not every, – every person that represents her siblings, that's not her – clearly it's not really her siblings, but it's something I believe in the house. House is alive. They want to keep her there. So – she goes and puts on the dress. She comes back downstairs and there's her family again, but they're all grown-ups. So again, she gets what she wants. Her family, you know, Stephen's like, I'm so sorry for what I said. You know, that was that was terrible. Um, Shirley's like, I'm sorry I didn't believe you. Theo is, I'm so sorry that we fought. And then she sees her parents standing there. We're so proud of you. We love you. They part. And then there's sober Luke. Yep. It's all she's ever wanted, right? Is you know her family is just exactly picture perfect, and then she sees Arthur. Oh my God! I'm sorry if you did not tear up. You better check your fucking pulse because <laughs> at that moment, because I know I lost my shit, and I'm just gonna be. I'll I'll just straight up tell you. I watched this episode um, to <laughs> thank God I've had some time to to think because I watched this episode two nights ago for the first time. And I mean, not only did I cry almost the entire time watching the episode, I mean, there were so many moments that made me just br- my heart broke for now. Um, but during these last like 15 minutes or so, when she gets to the house and how and seeing where she is mentally, that she's so vulnerable in this mentally um, vulnerable state and so broken down that. It, it it just leads her into this, into believing that this is real. And um, I just, I cried. I cried that entire time. I cried all night long. And when I stopped crying, if I, <laughs> if I started even thinking slightly about one of the scenes, like I tried to get out of my head, but I was trying to do prep uh-huh. um, and, you know, taking notes and, and doing research and news and just all the things that I do to, to try to prep. So it was bringing it all back and I would start crying again. I cried for hours the other night watching it and i was like what the hell is wrong with you i don't know if i just needed a good cry <laughs> it could be <laughs> you know? well i feel like like this gave me really like feelings of the the movie 1408 i think we might have talked about this before but yes in the very like it's not a great movie but in the very end he you know his daughter dies so he's like reliving all these memories and like he thinks like oh like she's here with me which is what happened no Nell. Nell's there with her her husband and, and she's getting this moment with him and then all of a sudden the house takes it away from her Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm trying to one curious if the house is like oh hey here's one last like good thing for you before we end up trapping you here forever or was it like what you said it's like we need to lure you deeper and deeper in this house we need to get you up these steps and comfortable so that way we can take you out you know and trap you here forever because the other thing that's like you mentioned her mom. And you're saying that you think that that was not her mom at all. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious why when the mom puts the necklace on her, which I'm guessing is the noose, and kisses her and basically kind of guides her into get jumping off the banister, why her mom was then crying? Like, why did her mom have all these tears? Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. I was really conflicted because I, I really felt the entire time – that we were seeing her mom in this vision uh, when when Nell comes back to the house, that that is not her mother. It is yeah. who 
the house believes her mother to be uh, from being in that house um, and, and like how memories are like implanted um, in, in on things. And I feel like her, she's, I feel like she's there, but I don't know how much of it is her. Mm-hmm. I feel that they were like, this house is pulling no punches. They want Nell there for some reason they they want Nell in that house and they want to keep her there and they want to make her stay well how else do you make her stay but giving her everything that she's always wanted including her husband back um and her whole family but she can't stay unless she dies yeah and that's the last person she sees down at the the very bottom of the like right down at the bottom of the room was her husband yeah yeah, it was just this whole damn thing. And then the twist, you know, not only is she, you know, hangs herself, but again, I, I don't think she did it herself. It's like when Luke said, you know, or Steve told Luke, you know, she killed herself and he goes, no, she didn't. Mm. And I think to me, it's perfectly clear. She was being, you know, it was tragic because the, the house manipulated her into putting that rope around her neck by using her mother's necklace. Um, because you could tell after she put, you know, you could, you could see where she had the vision of the, the rope in her hands. And then as she turns to her mother, uh, there was nothing there. And then her mm. mom gives her the necklace and then she start her 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 face starts to change a little bit, like like it almost like she can feel it getting tighter. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't show that it's getting tighter, but she can almost she she kind of grabs her neck a little bit, like oh that feels tight or something, mm. you know. Um, and then finding out that yeah, it was the noose that neck kind of replaced or that necklace replaced the noose, and um, and I felt she was pushed from the freaking ledge. I mean, yeah, I don't. She was she didn't jump whatsoever. No. At all. So I don't think, you know, I mean, Luke is 100% right from what I feel that she she was not, she, that, that was not willing. She was, I, yeah, she was, I think, in a really bad place. But was she going to, you know, really kill herself of her own will? No, I don't think that at all. Um, and then, of course, that's not tragic enough to, to see her, to see her go through this whole vision. And it was so sad to see, like, when she would be led from room to room and it was like how we see it, the dark, the house is dark oh, yeah, and there's yeah. no one there. Like when, when uh, Shirley's leading her to the next room and she just got her hand out or when she's dancing with Arthur and he's well, not that was really from there. the first episode too. Yeah. You remember when we peeked in there, we saw her just spinning on her own. Yeah. When someone said Nell's at the house and then we get the little scene of Nell mm. dancing and you're just like, what the hell? It looks like she's on drugs. Well, yeah. now we have that explanation as to what, what was happening there. It was just made it all the more tragic. So we get all of this. We get this whole episode of how far, you know, she, how she's so mired in her own damn grief and how, where she's at mentally and falls to her death, which should be tragic enough and traumatic for all of us to, to see her fall. And of course that's foreshadowing because Olivia told Hugh in one of the other episodes, like, Oh, I see some little bodies dangling from up there. We need to do something about those ropes. And of course I'm paraphrasing, um, as if that's not traumatic enough. Oh no. Now we get to see her falling again and again through time, witnessing her younger self staring at her and did you hear her neck snap every damn time yeah. she fell? I yeah. mean, do you just want to drive that nail in just a little bit deeper? I mean, yeah. God, to hear that over and over again is not something I'm going to have out of my head anytime soon. And then that last scream. 
That's what we see. This happened at the end of the episode, but also at the beginning of the episode when young Nell's like, she screamed so loud it hurt my ears. And now Mm -hmm. we know why that freaking scream was. Yeah. And I'm kind of curious. I was expecting like her in that moment, like kind of being there and at Steve's at the same time. Cause that's what happened at Steve's apartment. Mm -hmm. So I'm really curious to see like how she ends up in Steve's apartment. If that's like a separate event or if it's all kind of like jumbled together in one big kind of last minute thing when she passed away, which cause I'm trying to remember when, when Steve kind of held his neck, but I think it was a little bit after that point. So she'd mm-hmm. been dead for a little bit. Yeah. I so. think, I think it wasn't so much as like the same as the bent neck lady. I think it was just Nell. Now that she's dead, you know, this vision of her is, is presenting her cause she showed up at Luke's too while he was in rehab. That's true. Yeah. Um, did she, trying to think i don't know if she went to shirley but shirley was the one that said uh nell's in the red room she was in her sleep and her husband because remember she talks she talks in her sleep and says funny things and weird things and she says nell nelly's in the in the red room but i don't know that she saw her and she woke up um i think theo woke up but i don't know that she's i can't remember if she saw her but that scream just made it all the more horrible because that's when nell as she's dead, has to relive this over and over again and realize that she's been haunting herself Yeah, this whole time. Um, I don't know. It was a freaking twist that I was not expecting. Um, You know, I knew something bad was going to come of this. And I mean, we knew Nell died and you just kind of knew that this was going to be terrible. Um, But this just made it even, even more so. And it's like, it's so strange now because now she's a ghost and she's a ghost from the past. She's a ghost from the future and she's doomed to keep reliving her own self-destruction. And it's, (laughs) did you see, so the, the last thing I kind of have for that, when she was dancing and she was kind of dancing and you see her family, Mm -hmm. but then you see about four to six other people that are not her family. One of which was the man with the bowling hat. I know. And I'm just now putting him to put my, my feet up on my chair because now I'm scared. (laughs) Bowler. Yeah. I think that was the, I mean, he looks a little slightly different, but yeah, they all look normal. Like they didn't look like their dead counterparts or their ghost counterparts. Yeah. But he was tall. He was, he was tall, which I think is probably why Luke, little Luke saw him as large because kids, kids kind of, you know, kids are little. So when you're little, everything just seems really big, right? Like, you know, I remember, you know, either people that I, you know, whenever I was little would think, wow, they're like the tallest person ever. And then when I grew up, because I'm a tall person and when I grew up and then, you know, would see that person again and, um, you know, as a grown up and I hadn't seen him since I was a kid, I'm like, oh, you're not so tall. You just looked really, really tall um, whenever I was a kid, because when you're a kid, everything is large. So that kind of makes sense as to, you know, if Luke sees this bowler hat guy um, when he's super large uh, floating above the floor, um, why he looks so large, but yeah. And then there was like a lady in like a, a looks, looks like a twenties type style. Yeah. Kind um, of like a, um, like the flapper headband. And, um, I don't remember, I don't remember specifically. I don't have like a screenshot in front of me or anything, but yeah, you're right. It was kind of going around and at least four, four people that were not, I think they're, they're just some people that are tied to the house now. Like Nell is now tied to the house. So, so I saw that and that gave me a little bit of the, the creepy vibes. <laughs> Super creepy. Oh my God. I just, do you have anything else that you want to say? I, I kind of went on and on about that, but it just, um, it really, it really just impacted me heavily. I, I, 
think you touched on a lot of it. I mean, I've got a few notes. So I thought like when she sees her mom at her wedding, mm-hmm. like her mom looked peaceful in that moment. So there's not anything kind of scary at all about that. Yep. Um, also on her wedding, it's kind of a funny, cute moment. <laughs> As they're watching their sister watch their uh, Theo. Yes. They're like, all right, watch. She's going to get it. She's going to get it. And then all of a sudden, like, you see it click, and she's like, oh, Theo's a lesbian. That was hilarious because it's it's such uh, the exact type of reaction you would expect from Shirley. Like, she's not getting it at all. And she's just like, what the hell is going on? And it's so hilarious when she grabs her husband, like, what the hell? <laughs> Do you yeah. see that? She's into bridesmaids. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, I thought it was kind of interesting that she had a star cup even as an adult. Yes. Um, nothing really. Her cup of stars. Yeah. Um, we do finally get a year. Hill House was in 92. Yes, we did. Uh, let's see. And one of the other things I had, so as, let me see if I can find it specifically because it was scary for me, like real life scary. Um, so I was sitting there and it was at the point where something was happening I think it was when she was going through her sleep paralysis and there's kind of like a clicking or something. My uh, cat's automatic cat food started <laughs> to go off and it just like spills food and like kind of like it sounds like like hail hitting the house. Yep. <laughs> and like I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> like, oh, just a cat's food. So I had to pause it for a second, wait for it to get done and then continue on watching the show. Don't you love when you get those random noises or uh, like my dogs love to like when I'm in a super intense moment, especially watching something like Hill House and I am like on edge. I mean, my nerves are so like to the point where it's like no return and I'm freaking the hell out. And then all of a sudden my dogs, they hear something I don't. And then all of a sudden burr, 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 just start barking yeah. and I'm like, oh, fuck. And it makes me just like go off the rails. Yeah, our security system thing still isn't fixed. Like every, I think like 16 hours it goes off. It went off this morning, at least like after I was up in the shower. Oh my God. But like middle of the night, like I'm about to fall asleep and it goes off. Just beep, 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 Like what the fuck? Oh, Sean, you're going to go crazy if you don't take care of that. It's going to drive you insane. Take a ball bat to it. Yeah. Like the fire alarm when the fire alarm's dysfunctional or something. Oh my- instead, of, instead of just changing the batteries, you just whack it a couple times <laughs> and, and it falls off and... Never works again. Nothing worse. You're <laughs> half asleep. You just hear beep. Like, oh, what the fuck? Where, which one is it? You got to go room to room. Beep. All right. It's not this room. Is it this one? Yeah. Beep. Fuck. That's enough to drive me insane for sure. Those are good notes. I have a couple too. Um, one of them, the toy room. Is there a toy room? Because based on Mrs. Dudley's reaction to Nell when she comes down and she's like, look what I found. And she had found mm. that tea set. She had been in the in this playroom. I mean, it looks like a playroom to me, this children's playroom. She starts digging through this little toy chest, finds this cute little tea set, shows it to Mrs. Dudley. Um, and she goes, where did you find that? She said, the toy room. And Mrs. Dudley goes, the toy room? Mm, good catch. And just her, and then she just kind of goes with it. She's kind of like, okay, Nell, she's the baby. She was like, I think six years old. Her and her, her and Luke are six yeah. years old when um, uh, we keep seeing the younger versions of them. Oh so shit, she's, that's creepy. That's uh, so in '92, I was six. Ooh, Ooh. all these now this connections just got scarier. Yeah, you better be watching out, my friend. Um, I do sleep on a turtle pillow still. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, that's hilarious. Um, But I don't know. I just thought that was interesting because it's like, you know, 
Mrs. Dudley just kind of went on with it. And she's like, oh, she's just being now. She's a child. She's her imagination or she's confused or, you know, whatever. But it just, where's this toy room and does it exist? Is it the red room? I don't know. Um, I liked her little speech that uh, Mrs. Dudley talking to, to Nell about the cup of stars. And I haven't read the book. I feel like now I really need to read the book. I know that the book is a lot different than the series, so I don't expect a lot of um, like the same story. But they keep using a lot of character names like um, Nellie when she – in this uh, in this episode, Nellie is kind of based off of uh, the character of Eleanor in the book. And the connection really gets made, I'm being told, in this episode because um, she marries Arthur Vance, and that is Eleanor's name in the book, is Eleanor Vance. Oh, okay. And I think there are a couple of ties uh, to this character, some of the similar things that happen. But in the book, I'm being told that Eleanor, on her way to Hill House, encounters a little girl in a diner who refuses to drink her milk because it's not in her usual cup of stars. Um, Don't do it, Eleanor thinks. Insist on your cup of stars. Once they have trapped you into being like everyone else, you will never see your cup of stars again. So that was from the novel. Um, I guess they had to kind of have this line in the in the series, so they had Mrs. Dudley do it, which is, you know, fine by me because I haven't read the book and I'm not, I don't have any, like, you know, loyalty to it or whatever, but just thought that that was interesting, that little tie-in. Um, Nell talking about Luke going into rehab and experiencing his withdrawal symptoms. Mm-hmm. Talking that again about the, about the twin thing again. So we, we get confirmation from both sides that they do are feeling, you know, uh, the same thing. Um <laughs> We were talking about when she was confronting Steve. Uh, it's like, you know, that's going to end up on YouTube. That's not going to be just the one time. Oh, yeah, yeah. One day thing. There is somebody Snapchatting that thing or uh, putting that shit up on YouTube. And the poor guy is going to have to, like, get some good PR to play that down. Um, and then, yeah, I think we've talked about you've covered all my other notes or I've already talked about them. So i'm emotionally exhausted i i'm i think i'm gonna sue the creators of the show for emotional um uh damages <laughs> no i'm kidding i'm not gonna sue anybody but um <laughs> i am emotionally damaged anyway good notes good top five um i'm gonna go into now a, we do have one news item but i'm going to first cover the hidden ghosts um, because everyone loves the hidden ghosts. And I'm going to tell you what, there was a really, really good one um, that really got me uh, in this one. So the first one, uh, they're under the stairs again. So we got the figures lurking under the stairs when uh, Luke was coming down the stairs. We get that again. Um, this one wasn't as clear to me. This next one uh there's a little bit of a okay. So Carla, I, I always mispronounce her name. Is it Gugino or Gugino? Do you know what if I how her? It's Olivia. Gugino. Gugino. Yeah, I like that. Let's go with that. Okay, let's go with. I I am so sorry. I'm probably going to get ten emails and people correcting me. And or it I'm, could be Gugino. The first G is silent. Oh well, maybe. Um, 
she was in, and we've talked about it before. She was in the uh, remake of Gerald's Game uh, that Netflix came out with. I believe it came out of February um, this year. If you guys haven't seen that, I know I've already said it. Go watch it. If you're a fan of Stephen King, or if you're just a fan of um, uh, Mike Flanagan, because he's the one that did that um, remake as well, and it was really, really good. So, The Haunting of Hill House uses a number of Flanagan regulars, including Carla Gugino, Henry Thomas, and his wife, Kate Siegel. But there's another one you probably didn't spot. Um, this one is the haunting figure behind Liv in the shot above, is reportedly played by Bruce Greenwood, who played Gugino's husband in Gerald's Game, Flanagan's 2017 adaptation of the Stephen King novel. Oh, I said 2018. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, it's right over her shoulder. It is spooky as shit. I um, saw that. That this is one of those shows where you see something like that, like that. I feel like I see something like in Steven's room, like in that back right corner. Like oh, I feel like I think I see. It's something, there. But I'm just not sure. You're right. It's there. Don't don't doubt yourself. I'm telling you, it was there. I saw it plain as day. This next one is going to it it it, it it's terrifying. Um, in this episode, there is a heartbreaking hour, which, of course, is this episode that reveals what led to Nellie's demise. Perhaps she was doomed from the moment that some something was watching her from behind in this chilling shot. So what you see is when Nellie, when her mother calls Nellie in the room and let's see. This one's terrifying because you remember when she got yelled at for drawing on the wall, which we know she didn't do. As Theo comes into the room, so it pans behind Nellie, something is hiding under the piano. Yeah. And it's, I mean, they cut they cut to Nellie multiple times and you, you see it clear as day, just two sets of hands, like they're kind of green and icky looking. It's, and it's there. Oh, I'm getting chills just looking at it because, it, oh, it is so freaking terrifying. It is literally there for however long this whole scene goes yeah. on when Nellie is standing there and then Theo is there and it keeps, you know, the only time you don't see it, I'll just say this. The only time you don't see it is when the camera goes to Olivia, when it's panning to her. But anytime you see it, the camera on Nell and Theo, the damn thing is there under the freaking mm. piano the entire time. And it doesn't fucking move. Jesus. <laughs> I'm not, it's just, it's terrifying. Um, and then, yeah, there's another shot of this something looking at her from, I don't know what the scene is in, but it's watching Nell and it's peering over. It's very blurry. I'm telling you, it's hard to make screenshots of these things and everything's blurry. And I also recommend um, up in the resolution or the, um, not the color, like the brightness or something the on contrast. your screen. Yeah, like maybe the contrast or something to kind of bring these in a little bit. But that damn thing, whatever the hell that was, you can see those hands clear as day. You can't quite see a face, but those hands. How do you not see that? I'm sorry. <laughs> just Well, that's, I mean, they've mentioned as like, well, can they even see these things? Is this kind of like a, a wink and a nod from, you know, be like, hey, there's things here, but yeah. they just can't see them. Well, and I wonder if sometimes the because I still feel I'm going totally off that thing that um, Olivia is is not herself, especially in this scene where she is yelling at the. Oh, yeah. She's not yelling, but the way that she speaks to her girls, it's so unlike Olivia. She's such a good mom. She's such an understanding, compassionate mom. And I, I've never yet in all the episodes seen her talk to her children this way. And. You know, the way that she was snapping at them was so un uncharacteristic of, of her. And, and, and she's having this migraine at the same time. And, and we talked before um, how her migraine, how migraines can 
have talked about how they can be linked to psychic, a psychic happening or a psychic ability. So it's like a something happening to her and it's driving her to these migraines or it's giving her these migraines and bringing them back on. That's why I feel like something evil was in that house and, and trying to do something to Olivia. And that's tied into whatever this tragic event was um, that happened when the kids were little on that night, as you call it. So anyway, um, I feel like that was poignant. Um, we do have one little news item from popculture.com. So the haunting of Hill House star Kate Siegel and director Mike Flanagan, if you didn't know that they were married, they are. They welcomed their second child together on Monday. And not oh, only nice. that, yeah, but not only that, they named their new baby after Siegel's character on the show. Um, today, Kate and I welcomed our daughter, Theodora Isabel Irene Flanagan, into the world. Mom and baby are both fantastic, tired, and so, so happy. Flanagan, who directed every episode of the Netflix horror series, announced on Twitter. Oh, well, congratulations. Yeah, isn't that awesome? So, yeah, I thought I would just mention that. Apparently, Kate Siegel found out she was pregnant uh, while they were filming uh, the series. Mm. They were filming episode six, the one that we're getting ready to cover um, next. Is Feels she, like this would be a very stressful show to be pregnant on. I'd say. I'd say. Um, so, yeah, I thought that, that was interesting. She found out she was pregnant while they were filming. That can make things challenging. Um, but, yeah, congratulations to them. All right. So now we are ready for messages from the room beyond the red door. I wonder if we should change this to the tea party from beyond the red door. Tea party for everyone. You're expected. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll never leave. That was uh, it, so mommy. Ch- <laughs> so Chuck DeForce, a poor Nell, targeted and fate sealed as soon as she got in that house. I think when the father was getting Stephen out of the house as a little kid, the dancing ghost Stephen saw was adult Nell. Hmm. Hmm. I think this is the first time we see the ghosts are not always from the past. Definitely the saddest episode so far. Did Steven see a dancing ghost? I wonder if he's thinking of the uh, the one that was doing the, the Freudberg. The <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try to remember that image in my head the next time that happens because I feel like we're going to get some more yeah. images from that night and it's going to scare the shit out of me. And I feel like I'm going to have to remember your little impression here <laughs> to get me through that because I might have a mental fucking breakdown. I don't know. Um, this show's fucking with me terribly. I can't sleep, dude, and I'm crying all night long. Like, so maybe I needed a good cry. I think that's probably what happened. Um, Avelino Rashino says, I fucking cried my eyes out at the end of this episode, starting with Nell's plea of mommy. Uh, Thank you, Avelino. I'm right there with your brother. Um, he goes on to say, what a heartbreaking episode. I'm sure you'll discuss this, but are we to believe that the house used an image of the mother to trick Nell into killing herself, or was the ghost of the mother really complicit in her youngest daughter's death um such a horrible sad and great episode one more thing that i want to mention about this series that is truly exceptional many of the characters no matter how brief their appearance have their moment in the sun with great dialogue for example the blind veteran in the previous episode and nell's husband in this episode look for other such briefly appearing characters in the remaining episodes Mm, Um, it's a good call Really good call. Yeah, Evelina, we talked about that a little bit. Um, I was really confused, too. I really feel like that house was using an image of their mother. But like you said uh, earlier, Sean, you made a really good point. That almost seemed like really her mother there at the end, because why was she tearing up? That seemed like a real moment. I don't know if that was still 
if she was forced to do it or she had to do it or, or maybe in some weird way she's like in doing this I get to live with my like be with my kid forever right because she's she's a, a prisoner too right she died Could at the be, house yeah. I feel like that house is gonna trap is trying to trap Nell and I feel like her mother died there her mother is trapped along with the other ghosts that we see and like you pointed out Abigail doesn't seem to be very happy yeah. about it they don't want to really be there um, which kind of takes reminds me of when because those ghosts are there they're there however they come to be there and whatever circumstances that they become to be there which is interesting when and also in this episode when Nell tries to manipulate Theo into seeing if she feels Arthur there she's like I feel like he's all around me and and she's like he's not here he's not and it's because Arthur didn't have any other business there I mean he he moved on um you know and he's not lingering or anything like that um so I found it was I think it was kind of interesting to see how there are people trapped and then other people that do move on um anyway really good Evelino thank you uh, our next one comes from Lindsay Schlitch. So I guess we probably always knew Nellie's chapter would be the saddest of the siblings, but the mix of tragedy and the sweet love story made it all the more heartbreaking. When Nellie shows Miss Dudley the tea set and Miss Dudley asks where she found it, Nellie says, the playroom. And Miss Dudley asks, where? Wouldn't a woman who maintained the house for decades know all the rooms? I wonder if the playroom even really exists, not to mention Miss Dudley herself. I've thought, I've kind of thought about that too, mm-hmm. the Mr. and Miss Dudley, if they actually exist. Mm-hmm. Um, I swear something weird is up with her. The bent neck lady herself is creepy enough to her own, but going back for a rewatch, knowing who the bent neck lady will turn out to be is all the more horrifying. Imagine being haunted as a kid by your adult ghost. What the actual fuck? <laughs> the last 10 minutes of the show were amazing. The mix of real and imagined was crazy. Uh, she's got the question mark next to imagined. Uh, I've had a few experiences of mild sleep paralysis in my lifetime, and that shit is no joke. I can't imagine dealing with Nellie's experiences. I love hate this show. <laughs> I have a love hate relationship with it as well. I have not experienced anything like Nell experienced, and I've come to realize it is a true um, disorder, sleep disorder, and it sounds absolutely terrifying. And whenever I was reading um, some research online about this and people sharing their stories, they said that the way that it was portrayed, the way that um, the actress who plays Nell, I'll get her name here in a second, it's Victoria Victoria Pedretti, probably mispronouncing that too, Um the way that she portrayed it and the way that the directors had her portray it was completely accurate, that that's exactly what you experience and how it feels and the way that she, um, you know, how that comes across her face was amazing. Um, I've had what I have experienced and Sean, you tell me if you've experienced the same. Um, have you ever been in a dream in a terrible nightmarish, horrific type dream. You're scared out of your mind and you become like aware that you're in a dream, but you can't make yourself wake up. It's like you're stuck and you're kind of, you feel like you're kind of halfway between like, you know that you're sleeping and dreaming. And so you're kind of awake, but not. And that's probably something everyone's experienced. So I don't think it's unique, but that was kind of like my Freddy Krueger dream. I talked about last episode was kind of the same thing. Like I knew I was in a dream and it felt kind of real and I couldn't wake up. Um, as far as sleep paralysis, I've never like woke up and felt like something watching me or looking at me. Mm-hmm. But there's been a handful of times where I've woke up and I can't like my my body doesn't trigger right away and I can't move. And it's kind of a, it's a weird experience at first, but like mine never lasts very long. It's like I wake up and I'm like, oh crap, 
Oh, okay. Now I'm going. Like it's it's like that long. Wow. So I mean, I can only imagine scary. where. Yeah, but like in these situations, like where you wake up and like you're fully aware, like you're basically parrot, like completely paralyzed. Yeah. And to me, like whenever it's happened to me, like by the time I actually feel like I wake up and realize what's going on, I can already move. And it's not like a slow, like, oh, now I can move my legs and my arms. It's like, oh, okay, now I'm fine. Right. Like you're but legit, like, like Nelly lying there. Yeah. That's, ooh, that'd be no joke. And then on top of that, but to see a freaking ghost in front of you, scaring oh, yeah, the yeah. shit out of you at the same time. Because that's when I'm usually throwing my head over my, my or like throwing my head under the covers if I'm in bed and, and I see things that I see or have experienced, my head's going under the covers. <laughs> just just go away, just go away, just go away. Safest place. Um, under the covers, they can't get you. That's right. That's my safe place. Um, okay, sorry. Um, next one is from Doug Fick. He says, this was a heartbreaker. Nell saw her destiny all along. So tragic. The performances by both actresses were amazing. You can feel the panic and the paralysis. Why is it that Nell and Luke are the ones seeing the ghosts and are tortured? Yeah, I've been asking that the whole time. Um, The three older kids appear perhaps to have uh, been given gifts due to the experiences in the house. Theo's touch, Shirley's motherly empathy, sympathy after the cats died, um, etc. And did the bentneck lady kill her husband? I know they said it was an aneurysm, but was he murdered? Um, did Nell see Luke's real destiny on the motel room ceiling or a possible one? So, so good. Keep up the great work. Sean, I hope the live Language of Romance cast went well. I was planning on going, but we had a wicked storm and cleanup was needed. Thanks for the company, guys. Look forward to your next syllabus with great eagerness. Yeah, well, thanks, uh, Doug. So, yeah, the show went really well. Um, we actually get to release that episode on our Language of Romance feed. It won't be this Sunday because this Sunday we're going to do a Stanley draft um, to kind of uh, honor him um, for his recent passing. Um, but the week after, uh, we're going to release our live episode. So it went really well. People laughed, and I got to meet a groupie. Nice. It was my wife, and I brought her all the way from from where I live. But it was still a groupie. Still a groupie. It's good to have a groupie. I don't have a groupie. I need a groupie. <laughs> I want my own groupie. Not a stalker. I want a groupie. Um, <laughs> Did the bentneck lady? Kill, I don't think the bentneck lady killed her husband. I think that she was just an observer alone, and I, I think, think so that too, yeah. I think that Nell needed to blame Hill House on her husband's death. I think that she she obviously saw a bentneck lady standing there, and then her husband had died. Um, I do think it was just an aneurysm. I think this is tragic, tragic event that unfortunately does truly happen in life. Unfortunately, people are taken away from us way too soon at, at such an early age. Um, so I don't think that the bentneck lady had anything to do with that. I think Nell just had that need to blame something, and she was blaming the house um, because she did see her there. Thanks, Doug. Oh, uh, next one comes from Descombs. Uh, this was my favorite episode of the series. I guess I'm a mas- uh, masochist. Uh, the first four episodes, I had no clue about what was going on with the bent neck lady. About 10 minutes into this episode, I realized what was going on. Every time they would show up, show her, I tear up a little. I got to the end and lost it. I haven't been wrecked that bad since the part of Nestor, the long eared donkey when his mother died. I'm aware no one is going to get that reference. Don't judge me. I'm old. <laughs> Oh, Des, I know. I'm just saying, I think we need to form a little support group here um, to get through this. I'm serious. <laughs> I was wrecked. I told you hey, I cried. so we can sleep at night because we're all scared shitless. Yes, I'm, be- I'm scared and I'm emotionally wrecked. I, I truly am. And like I said, maybe I did need a good cry. 
Um, maybe it was just time, but I guess anytime I need a good cry, I'm going to have to watch this damn episode or at least the last 10 minutes because I, I was like, I was even questioning what the hell is wrong with you? I just had tears streaming down my face. My dog thought I was fucking nuts. (laughs) Like, why are you crying so much? Get it together, woman. Um, unbelievable. Um, Next one is from Josh Mull. Best episode so far blew my mind that I didn't see that ending coming until about five minutes before it happened. I think this is up there on my ranking of episodes, too. This is fantastic. I mean, it's so far, like, I feel like the best of the series. I know we're only five episodes in. Who knows what's going to happen from here? But outstanding. I mean, it just, this whole series is brilliant. And we've got an email. So, hey, guys, I wrote into you before on your Castle Rock podcast. I heard your comments about wanting to hear from people who were in rehab to know if that's what it was like. I am a former heroin addict and went to rehab twice. I just passed my 10-year sobriety anniversary. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. uh, In my experience, the rules were very similar. He seems like he went to a little ritzier of a rehab than your average addict. Both that I went to were a combo of people like me who were there to get clean and people who were forced there by law, which most had little interest in sobriety. I had to leave my second one because people were discussing sneaking in drugs and the staff wouldn't listen to me. Anyway, it all worked out for me in the end, but I'm a rare case. No matter how many times I screwed up, my mother always had my back, and that's difficult for a lot of families because no one gets clean on the first try. It takes multiple attempts for everyone, and many families and friends can't handle that. They almost take it as an insult to them. So Luke's family reacting like they do is very common. The dating rule is accurate, and you are correct in the reason why. So if you have any more questions about the subject, I'd be open to answering anything you'd like to know. Feel free to use any of this in the podcast if you want. I'm loving the show, and thanks for your coverage. Uh, Have they said whether it'll be just one season or whether it could have more? Thanks again, Josh. Wow, Josh. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing that. That's that's a that's a pretty personal thing to share. And um, again, congratulations on your sobriety, and you, know, you just keep up the great work with it. Yeah, congratulations on your ten year sobriety. That is absolutely amazing, and I'm so thankful that you had some family that supported you, no matter how difficult that was. I cannot imagine um, what that was like for both of you. Um, so good for you. And I'm, I'm so happy that you were able to overcome that. And I know it's a struggle every day. So stay strong. Um, and thank you for sharing. That's a really, you know, maybe there's somebody out there that needs to hear that. So, you know, I think it's good to share stories like that because everybody's going through something and, and maybe somebody needs to hear that and hear what you can overcome. Um, anybody can overcome anything. Yeah, and as far as it comes to like the season one, I, I, I haven't heard anything about a season two. Um, and the way some people have almost spoiled it for me, um, I, I stopped them in time. But it, it seems like it's like any TV show. It could or could not have a second season. Yeah, I th- <laughs> there has not been any official word as of now. I do check the news every week. I don't have a lot of news to add on here because as I keep saying, because this is a Netflix show and it's released all at once, almost every news item that I come across is covering the series from episode one to episode 10. And I'm trying to avoid that because I don't want to be spoiled about what happens or, or the ending of the show or anything like that. So I apologize that there's not a lot of news items. I do try to grab some things um, here and there that don't spoil. The, the things that I've heard so far about season two uh, I guess Carla Gugino was on, I don't remember what show she was on, so I'm sorry. Uh, she was on um, something and she kind of hinted that she would love to be back for a season two. Um, 
because we see this theme with Mike Flanagan, he's used, like, we know his wife, Kate Siegel, Carla Gugino was in Gerald's Game. Henry Thomas was in Gerald's Game. We see a lot of how he uses these same characters or same people from his other works over and over. And if anyone, oh God, I hope this isn't spoilery or anything. So if it is, I'm sorry, here's your warning if it's spoiler about American Horror Story. If you guys ever... Um, or fans of that show, you'll know that they use a lot of the same actors season over season over season. And, but they're playing different. Sometimes I'll just say that they play different characters uh, from season to season. So you'll see a lot of your favorites come back, but they're playing different characters. So I wonder um, the way Carly Gugino kind of uh, hinted at this is that she would love to come back because they feel that whatever it is that happens, I don't know what happens, but what I keep reading is that they feel it's complete and that's mm. all that I've seen is that they feel the crane story is complete, but she would love to come back and as a different character. Like if they decided to tell like, like an anthology type story um, about, I don't know if it would be another family or, or what season two could be about, but she would love to come back and be a different character. The haunting of Prairie house, <laughs> little house on the prairie. I don't know. What do you think about that? I'm curious what your opinion would be if they, if, if you have a couple of these, I don't know that all of them would come back because there's always scheduling their actors, yeah. they get other jobs, but how would you feel about seeing a couple of these uh, same actors come back in just different roles? Yeah, I'd be up for it. I mean, if you did the haunting of something, I mean, everybody loves ghost stories. Mm-hmm. Um, you definitely have to be careful not to rehash the same story, just a different location, but um, I'd be down for it. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting when they do that. I know some people were kind of weirded out by because I guess Henry Thomas and Carla Gugino were both in Gerald's Game, and Henry Thomas um, in uh, Gerald's Game played her father, but in this series he plays her husband. So people are mm. like, "Oh, that's kind of weird. That was her father in that episode, and um, or in that um, movie." So um, anyway. We also have a couple of voicemails this week. The first one that we have is from Laura Willie Swink. Hello, Rima and Sean. This is Laura calling with my feedback on The Bent-Necked Lady. This was by far the most frightening episode in the series, and I know this because when the scene happened where the bent-necked lady dropped down in front of Nell in the hotel hallway... I screamed so loud, I woke (laughs) my sleeping husband, who also jumped up and nearly fell off the sofa. Oh my god, (laughs) this was so scary, but despite all the chills and jump scares, again, the most frightening part of this episode was the real-life horror, and that for me was the condition of Nell's sleep paralysis. Our oldest daughter suffered from this same condition um, a few times when she was little, and she explained to us that that how terrifying it was when she got older. Um, like Nell, she would wake up in the middle of the night and couldn't move or talk. And a few times she even felt like something was in the room with her. And um, it's a real condition, a real you know psychological condition. If you're interested, check out the documentary The Nightmare on Netflix. Uh, Our daughter was lucky enough to grow out of it, but some people never grow out of it. And I can imagine that would just drive you slightly insane. So um, I liked it, and I liked watching Arthur teach Nell how to control it. It was really nice to see Nell have some happiness in her short, sad life. But also, uh, this was a really heartbreaking episode. I think pretty much every single episode so far can be summed up in the words horrific and heartbreaking. 
The sadness of this episode was Nell's story and how hard she tried to be heard by anyone and knew that no one believed her. Steve, Theo, and Shirley all treated her like she was just this neurotic, crazy girl. And I think Luke believed her, but he was too wrapped up in his own messed up life to be any help to her. Not even her therapist believes her. So when she meets Arthur, she says, it's so nice to be heard. And I think that's all Nell ever wanted was someone to listen to her and to think she wasn't a crackpot. But later, when we see the scenes flashing back to Nell calling Steve and Shirley from the previous episodes, we as an audience almost dismiss those calls like the characters did when we first saw them. But they, the characters were busy living their lives and ignoring a call from their flighty sister Um, And it was played as such a minor thing, but the fact that that call might have saved her life or could they could have at least heard her one last time before she died, it makes those previous throwaway scenes so deeply sad. And it makes you think, what if you were to ignore that call or didn't check in on that person? You know, would it be the last time? Um... One last little note is I think we saw here that not only did Nell share a psychic link with her brother Luke, but I also think that she had a gift of premonition. Unfortunately, the sad thing is that the only premonition that she had was of her own death. Anyhow, Mm. those are my two cents on the episode. I can't wait to hear what you two think. Thanks so much for the podcast. I've really been enjoying it. Bye. Wow. Thank you, Laura, for sharing. I'm so glad your daughter grew out of that. It does sound terrifying, that condition. I think I would, if I suffered from it, I don't know if I would mentally be strong enough to overcome oh, yeah. it. It sounds It'd be terrible. tough. Like, uh, I would need, like like I said earlier, I'd need my own Arthur there to walk me through it every time. No kidding. Um, yeah, so glad that your daughter came out of that. And I really love, you make a really, really good point. When we see in other episodes, when they see Nell calling this, you know, Shirley and uh, Stephen, they see her calling and they just dismiss it. And of course, I mean, we all do it, right? We all are busy. We're at work. We're in the, right in the middle of something. We can't take that call in that moment. But you made a really good good point, Lauren. I think that that's something that we all need to kind of be reminded of is to um, really think about the people in our lives and that that might be the last opportunity that you see that person, that you have an opportunity to talk to that person. And it just makes you appreciate that person or the people, not just a person, but um, all the people in your life and to be grateful and enjoy time with those people every single day because you don't know if it's the last time. And like you said, that could have been the last time that they talked now, even if they couldn't have stopped her or gotten through to her, if they knew what she was doing and you know, that that could have at least been one moment. Now they have to live with that. Mm-hmm. You know, Shirley knows that that was the last, that she could have talked to Nell at that moment. Steven knows that he could have talked to her at that moment. And um, they're going to have to live with that now. So you make a really good, good point about that. Thank you for that so much. Um, we have another voicemail um, also from our good friend, Steve Brown. Okay. I just uh, finished watching Bent Neck Lady and I, uh, this is Steve and I forgot how powerful this episode was. It's really amazing. Um, I remember the first time I watched this episode, I started going off into so many different questions and wondering what uh, what it could be. And started, I kept wanting to think there was some sort of logical explanation or, or like a sci-fi type of explanation, not supernatural. 
explanation for it. This was the episode that showed that I kind of started thinking that those lines, especially those images at the end, when we realized that every time she saw the bent neck lady, she was seeing a, a version of herself. She was seeing herself. So I thought that was uh, interesting, but that was my original thought. Obviously now ever having seen the whole thing, I know different things that went on. Um, I loved Nellie wanting to sleep alone to protect Luke from the bent neck lady. I love the romance between uh, uh, Nellie and Lance that was just uh, so beautiful to see. And it's even more heartbreaking seeing at the end there how those visions is what kind of led her to committing suicide or the house killing her or a ghost or whatever it was. But, but to see those visions being kind of used against her was uh, really heartbreaking. And um, I love the callbacks Nell uh, said twice or three times in this episode. It's a twin thing. Um, we uh, I had forgotten about Nell seeing her mom's ghost standing behind her dad at the wedding reception. That was really, really cool to see that little nod to her. Um, her trying to get Theo to use her power um, was another one. Uh, there's an interesting line. I didn't catch it the first time. But we do get a year for the events in the reading room. You guys may have already mentioned this, but during the reading, the person asked the question of Stephen, has he been back to the house since 92? And then the psychologist asks uh, Nell, no, or tells Nell, says no one's lived in that house for 26 years. So I thought that was all interesting stuff that now we do have a time frame. We don't have to just say late 80s. We know that 92, that was the... Uh, the the year they left the house. So I uh, can't wait to hear what you guys thought and uh, I'll be listening. Great. Thank you, Steve. Yeah. Thanks Steve. As always. I love all that. I love getting everyone's feedback. Everyone has so many amazing things to say. We should just ha- let them do the podcast. <laughs> um, um, thank you to everyone that took the time to write in Take the time to send a voice message, send in that email, and for sharing stories. There, People are sharing some really amazing stories with us um, because, as we talk about, this show does kind of really represent like real-life shit that happens, right? Real-life mm. tragedies and real-life uh, family dynamics and stuff. I mean, it, 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 it's, I think, hitting a tone with a lot of people because I think there's so many of us that can take a little piece of something out of the series so far, what I've seen so far anyway, and go, oh, my God, that's I've been through that, or I know what that's like. And so it's amazing that everyone takes that time to really share. And I, I really, I'm feeling that sense of community with everyone. So thank you everyone uh, so much for sharing all of those stories. Um, it's not always easy sharing things like that. So thank you for, for doing that. Yeah. Thanks everybody. It's awesome when we find that show that you can kind of tell the ones that pique a lot of people's interest or a lot of people feel kind of more invested in. And mm-hmm. this is definitely one we're getting a lot of feedback and a lot of input and just keep it coming. We absolutely love it. Yes, please. I love talking to you guys about, I need it. You you, if you don't know, I need freaking therapy <laughs> just even outside of the talking about the show. I just need it. So <laughs> help me guys. <laughs> Well, like we said, we're going to start covering two episodes a week in preparation for what we think will be the Black Mirror release at the end of the month. So this yep, yep, Tuesday, yep. we'll be covering the sixth episode from The Haunting of Hill House titled Two Storms. So the description for this episode is, it's a reunion for all the wrong reasons when Hugh flies in for the funeral. 
coming face to face with his estranged children on a dark, stormy night. Oh, it's going to be something I feel when you get all of these uh, remaining siblings and their father uh, back together in one place in space again should be interesting. Uh, I look forward to it. Um, Well, we're really excited for you to join our paranormal investigation for updates from Hill House. You can follow us on Twitter at Strange TCast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. And you can check us out on Instagram at strange underscore indeed underscore pod. You can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like the Game, or not the Game of Thrones podcast. You can. It's House Podcastica. <laughs> But you can also get the American Gods cast, which a trailer was just dropped today. And you can check all that out at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed or the, the other great Podcastica podcast on Apple Podcasts. Oh, my God. That American Gods. If you haven't seen that. I need to see it. I've, I've loved the book. And I just got to get – I don't have stars. Yeah. It's, but I think I might get it for, for the second season. That's what I tend to do. Um, get like that free trial or something. Um, mm. But oh my gosh, if you, I don't know, I hopefully got some some Neil Gaiman fans out there or American God fans. If you guys haven't seen it, go check out season one. It's amazing. I really have. I'm hoping season two is great. There was a little bit of behind the scenes drama stuff that happened. So I'm, got my fingers crossed for season two. Um, can't wait. Um, and speaking of great podcasts, uh, make sure to check out Sean and his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, that comes out every Sunday. Yeah, like I said, we're going to do a Stan Lee draft this Sunday, and then the Sunday after, if you're curious how our live show went, we'll have that one come out then. So lots of great stuff coming out. So I think everybody that's kind of jumped on and listened to my other podcast as well, it's really, really cool. Yeah, because you guys are so great. I mean, I think that's probably what I need to start doing. I'm going to start (laughs) listening to an episode of Language of Romance after I watch um, uh, this damn show because I need something. So I need some comic relief in my life. Um, yeah, it's amazing. You guys are awesome. I'm really wanting to hear the, this thing you guys do for Stanley. So, And also it's that holiday season. So if you're doing some shopping on Amazon, we've got an Amazon link in our show notes. Uh, no extra cost to you or anything. It just gives us a little bit of kickback. So we appreciate if you click that link before you do some of your shopping. Help us. We're poor. <laughs> <laughs> Help us. We're poor. <laughs> That's like the totally. funniest scene from Bridesmaids. I know. I'm totally kidding, but we would love <laughs> that you use our link, but I'm just being stupid. So. <laughs> All right. Well, that's our show. Episode 66 of the Bent Neck Lady. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Josh from Lancaster is strange indeed. <laughs> <laughs>